0: Hello and welcome to Top Auto Podcast. I'm, I'm kind of not embarrassed to say that I'm feeling pretty incredibly flat this morning and after New Zealand scored 400 in Bengaluru and, and it wasn't enough, all these little dance there has, has got me in some sort of spirits. But, you know, of course there was another game on the slate last night, which Australia kind of put one and a half feet in the semi-finals, and England's World Cup defence officially ended. We'll have all of that and more right after this. Boys, I I sort of feel like I've been punched in the stomach this morning. I um yeah sort of as I said very very flat, you know kind of still trying to make sense of what happened last night. I, I you know as as I'm sure every New Zealand fan felt pretty confident when we New Zealand scored four hundred. I sat there at fifty overs or four that entire New Zealand innings, kind of just smiling and grinning and telling my children what amazing cricketers we had and. Yeah, then kind of the next twenty five overs of the game, it it uh just wasn't such great watching. How are you doing this morning, Raj?
1: Oh, that's a great line. The great cricketers that we have. Um, <laughs> look, I I actually um, I'm I'm a bit upbeat this morning, uh, which which is which is strange because I went to bed. I don't think I've ever had that transition in about an hour and a half where I was just on top of the world, and then literally uh, it was raining on our parade when I went to bed. Um you know about an hour and a half later and then th- to make it worse i don't know if you guys were watching the coverage but they actually during the rain delay started showing the new zealand versus oh, South yeah. africa highlights which which was not a great a great option for us uh, kiwis to be watching that um yeah it completely let the air out of my tires but i'm going to look at it with a positive lens today faldy
2: well I, I i similarly went i went to bed uh at, the, at sort of four hundred for six, and Marnus Labuschagne dotting up a storm in the Australia game, and I decided that it would be more entertaining for me to read *The Hound of the Baskervilles* instead. So I went I went to bed with Australia digging themselves into a great hole. It turns out Australia dug themselves out of that hole and then sort of shoveled all of that soil over to New Zealand, and they ended up and they ended up getting getting buried by a mound of soil on the other side. Not a great analogy, but uh, it's early this morning. Uh, and we'll 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 increase the quality of the pod from here certainly from an analogy perspective for me
0: yeah look i'm very pleased that you both started out helping me with a few smiles because it was a, a difficult watch as I, as i've said I, I think uh why don't we start with some positives though talk a little bit about new zealand's batting you know kind of go let's go through it chronologically because that at least is is more fun from that point of view Raj, you've disappeared on the video, but hopefully you're still there uh, for, for us. Can you talk to me about Rachin Ravindra to start with? Because, I mean, just astonishing. And I, I just kept mentioning, as I said, I was watching that first innings with my kids there and kind of just talking to them. I kept just saying to them, he's 23, this kid. He's 23 and he's just scored the most ODI hundreds in a World Cup for New Zealand. It, it, just staggering stuff.
1: Look, it was a, I, I was absolutely astonished by him. I continue to be astonished by him. We have talked him up a lot uh, in the recent past, but uh, I don't think anyone was expecting a, a run fest like we've seen from Rich and Ravindra this, uh, this tournament. Uh, he's, he's, he's filled a massive hole at the top of the innings uh, with you know, Kane Williamson being out and, and not really having a, another opener that we've you know, persisted with for the last sort of year and a half. Uh, and he's done an incredible job. There was that one shot, Uh, which I was telling you boys this morning that when he played that pull shot off um, Harris Ralph, it was incredible. It stopped time in my house. We had to pause everything that was going on so that we could watch that shot again. It was incredible. Um, But, look, he's going from strength to strength. The the thing that's... um, impressing me the most, and I think Williamson and, and Ravindra both did this, is they timed their innings really well. They still built that platform after we lost the Conway Wicket and allowed the um, the finishers to, to have that platform and really sort of push towards 400, which was a, a great score for us to have in that first inning.
0: I think that the thing that I guess is standing out to me about Ratchin, when I, when I kind of think about it, is... I obviously scored that hundred in that first game, and and you know that was amazing, and it was you know the breakout performance, and and all of those sort of superlatives. But then I guess in my head I kind of thought, okay, like he's going to fail at some point here, and and we're going to have to still talk about him in positive terms. Like he's going to have some challenges in this World Cup, and I think that the the amazing thing, and and what I've I've found so hard to believe is that he just hasn't. And you know it was sort of the highest praise. Yesterday when I can't, I can't remember who was on commentary maybe Ian Smith maybe Ian Bishop it's at one point one of them just said like this is no like he got to 50 I think and they said and it's no surprise because he's been doing this all tournament and he's just become someone that we rely on we sit there and we think okay he's going to go out there and he's going to get runs today and yeah to think that one like he wouldn't be at this tournament if Michael Bracewell hadn't been injured two I don't. It sounds like he wouldn't have played the first game if Lockie Ferguson uh, had been 100% fit to start the tournament. So, uh, you know, now that we're sitting there talking about, you know, I, I don't know, the future of New Zealand cricket, and, and that seems like a remarkable sort of over-exaggeration, but uh, like he's just been so good in this tournament, and he's breaking records for youngest player to do this and youngest player to do that. And, you know, even, like I said, most World Cup 100s for New Zealand I don't know. I mean, there, there sort of is almost no more words for, for how good he is. Baldy, wh- why don't you jump in and help us out with talking about Kane? Because, again, like yeah, I was mm. just sitting there thinking he played, uh, he, you know, he, we didn't think he would make this tournament. And then he comes back in after six months out, Play doesn't play a game, scores 80-odd, wins us the game against Bangladesh, but fractures his thumb. Comes, sits on the sideline, comes back in, and then plays this innings. I mean, it's just staggering.
2: Yeah, a remarkable comeback again from Kane Williamson. And it was so surprising. I didn't know that he was playing this game. We sat down at the pub. We'd had a pretty bad day in, in Clubland, out in the dirt and repaired back to a, a local establishment for a, a refreshing beverage to um, sort of warm the cockles of our heart because it had been such an ordinary day looked up on the screen, and Kane was already sort of 50 knot. 50 and I looked over to a to a, a teammate and went, is Kane playing this game? And sure enough, he was. Not long later, he took off his gloves and didn't look like he even had a splint on his thumb. It was like the, the recovery from, from Kane's broken thumb is remarkable. And his innings was all that more remarkable because he picked up as if he'd never left off. All the shots that we expect to see from Kane Williamson were there. The late cut was there. Drove beautifully down the ground. And as his innings wore on, he got more and more confident, took on more and more risk. And, you know, on 95, to try and slap one down the ground over mid off to bring up 100, you're sure he got caught in the boundary, but that's the most uncane like shot I think I've ever seen. But he's just in such good form at the moment, even, even despite his injuries. It must be, as you say, Raj, if you're going to take silver linings out of this loss to Pakistan. Kane's return and the form of Rutchen are two of the highlights for me, alongside the great finishing we saw last night. Um, it's hard to go from 240 to 1 to 400 by sort of picking up and coming in and accelerating from ball one. But I thought the New Zealand middle order did a, su- a superb job, a terrific job of picking up the gauntlet that Rutchen and Kane laid down and taking it to the next level because it could have been so easily 240 for one 290 for six and then you're crawling your way to 330 but as it was they did a superb job of accelerating their innings and you know scored the last what 14 overs at tens 140 Mm. off the last 14 overs awesome stuff
1: yeah Stu, just your your comments on um that lower order, you know, particularly the the Glenn Phillips, the Mark Chapman, uh, we've sort of been missing that in our batting lineup, and I feel like this is one of those innings that actually went to plan. If you had a plan on the whiteboard before going out, uh, this actually went to plan.
0: Oh yeah, look, look, they did a really nice job, and it was, you know, I think we. I thought Mark Chapman's tournament might have been over now that Jimmy Neesham came in and uh, and performed so well. Obviously, Neesham's, uh, I don't know if he was fit for this game. I'm not 100% sure. I'm guessing he probably wasn't, the fact that, that he wasn't playing. But, you know, the fact that Chapman comes in and, and elevated to five, which I thought was interesting at the time to, to put him up there. I think, you know, maybe the left-hand, right-hand combination, maybe also the fact that he had a bit of success against Pakistan in the past, and, you know, he's... he's I that was a that was a really nice innings for him I think in particular to kind of give him some not not I mean look he probably doesn't need the confidence but I think just to to get him in there and and to play in innings of of substance i suppose because he hasn't had many opportunities in this world Cup and largely that's not been his fault so yeah to come in and do the job there Phillips some of the shots that Phillips plays i've i mean been I've been a little critical of him in this tournament and I, and I think even showed a little bit last night at the start of his innings that I don't think he hits the gaps early on in his innings as, as well as he might, but you know the fact that he is able to make up for it with some of those boundaries and, and some of the shots that he plays that they it, it doesn't seem like his hands are there, and then he just goes whoosh, and it sort of you know hits the toe end of the bat or the middle of the bat most of the time, but the toe end even and flies over the ropes for six. So yeah, look, you know he's a quality player. We've talked about him a lot in, in the past twelve months and. Again, what contribution he might make to New Zealand in all formats uh, going forward. So, yeah, look, very, very, very good. And, and at four hundred for one, you kind of thought things are going very well. I, I think I will add. You know, we've talked all about New Zealand, and and it, again, probably it hasn't really been. It's not. Uh, we're not going to talk in, in glowing praise for too many bowlers in this game. But I will add that I think that Mohamed Wasim Junior's he he bowled ten overs, three for sixty, and. I think that those figures are so much better than they actually look on paper. I mean, they actually look great on paper, considering that the rest of the score. But, you know, three for 60, you wouldn't ordinarily pinpoint someone like that and go, they've had a remarkable day with the ball. But, you know, on a day where everybody struggled, Shaheen Shah, Freedy, you know, one of the best bowlers in the world, really just didn't look at, at the races in that game. Mohammad Wasim w- was ab- absolutely spectacular and actually picking up a couple of those wickets, you know, every time, even even though New Zealand was doing a great job at the end there to pick up Phillips, to pick up Chapman, I think that did save 20, 30, you know, 20, 30 runs at the end there. So, you know, huge, huge performance from him. Anyone yeah. want to add anything on the New Zealand batting or, or Pakistan's bowling before we move on to, I, I guess, Fakir Zaman's incredible display?
1: Just, just on uh, Muhammad Razim, I completely agree. He actually did something very similar against Bangladesh. Came in at the death, hit the wickets. Um, bowls are uh, you know not a traditional up and down scene. Bowls with a little bit of angle, does something a little bit different um, and a bit quicker than I than I th- than you think when you're watching him bowl um, on on TV. But no, great, great, great um, death bowling from him once again. Um, I do have a bit of a confession to make. Prior to the Pakistan innings started, I, I, I texted Stu and I said to him that uh, Pakistan were going, not going to make 200 uh, in, their, in their batting. I was almost right. Um, yep. I was dependent on rain. Tell us tell us about the, uh, the, the Pakistani innings and then the rain playing a bit of spoiler uh, in this game.
0: Oh, do I have to? Uh, I, I guess I do. Like, you know, you mentioned, I think last time when we talked about that Pakistan-Bangladesh game, that the thing you hollered was the sound off Fakir Zaman's bat. And, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't much fun for me to watch it, but th- that sound again, it, it's it, it's actually incredible. And, I, I mean, the, the way he went about this innings, like he, I, I don't know, it was absolutely incredible. And the thing is that... I think I don't know that I can be enormously critical of New Zealand's bowling. They they weren't good. They you know they Southie I think bowled really really well up front. He was able to change the pace and he sort of found a good area to bowl to Pakizaman to kind of keep him tucked up. And I think Trent Bolt got a bit tangled up trying to go okay like sort of uh, out bowl him. He tried to bowl you know a a wicket taking ball. He tried he pitched it up maybe a bit more than he might have liked in the end if he thinks about it. Uh, after this game, but I mean, some of the shots that that fucker Zaman played, there was one off Southie that he like scooped over to the, the leg side off I don't know the the to- the absolute toe end of the bat, and I went, oh yeah, cool, he's out now. Like mm-hmm. he's miss, he's finally miss hit one, he's out, and it went for six, which I guess you know goes to goes to kind of go- talk about uh, you know the the grounds and stuff that we've talked about before. I think the boundaries are about sixty meters square or well, not much past 60 metres, and, and the bats and all that today. Glenn Phillips bowled one that, uh, you know, he, I think he almost beat Faka Zaman in, in the flight. Faka was about, uh, like, way out in front of the ball when he was slog sweeping. And he still hit Phillips, like, 30 rows back. <laughs> that Just the, he was timing everything. And, and it, it, it just seemed like there was nothing that New Zealand could do. And, you know, I, I did think when the rain came that, you know 140 for one i think it was and and all the models all the models at espn on um you know score predictor all, all the ones that they were showing on commentary on on crick info they all had new zealand like way ahead on the wind predictor but but pakistan was ahead on dls mm. which i did think was interesting i mean i i kind of don't know that it's worth getting into a, a big debate about that but yeah when they went off the field at, at 140 for one and Pakistan was ahead when the rain came. It, it wasn't, you know, you're sort of sitting there going, oh, what do we do now? And yeah, it, it wasn't great. But, Baldy, anything to add on that?
2: No, there's nothing I can add for New Zealand fans that makes the hollowness of this defeat to Pakistan via Duckworth Lewis any better. It's the, it's just about the worst way to lose a cricket game. It's not the worst, but it's it's one of. I will say for Pakistan fans, though, that they paced that chase beautifully. You know they needed boundaries. They got boundaries from Fakhar Zaman. He's, he he hit eleven sixes and eight fours in that innings. In eighty-one balls, that's a boundary every four deliveries from him. An outstanding performance, and it goes to show that if Pakistan get going, it's not just the Babar and Rizwan show. If they can get contributions from the top of their order, they can be a super dangerous cricket side in the back end of this tournament. Maybe they've left their run too late. Maybe not. Who knows? Let's see what happens in that last fixture that Pakistan have. But this has been an outstanding performance. And if you look at it, 25.3 overs, 200 for one, chasing 400. Pakistan are right in the game. New Zealand are also right in the game. This is probably, if you look at it, a 50-50 chase, maybe. Um, But Pakistan happened to be on the right side of the Duckworth Lewis Stern model by... 10 14 15 runs when the rain came and unfortunately for new zealand uh, they weren't able to get back on the field after that and pakistan take home an all-important two points
1: yeah it, it is a shame around that that duckworth lewis uh because you know rain did play spoiler but pakistan have only really done half the job there when you're defending mm. 400 i think that you have you have a, you have a real chance no matter what sort of stage the the innings is at uh, but you know, all indications were that Pakistan were in complete control, really, for that that chasing innings. Um, we do, I believe, have a bit of a Afzal Zaman problem. It was that I believe that was his fourth hundred against us this calendar year. It's amazing! Um, oh wow! Which which is which is incredible uh, in itself. Uh, that that sort of leads me now to the New Zealand selection queries and and really the last few games, and you know, and in particular the Australian game uh, and this one where our bowling, bowling innings was just out of control. Uh, we, we didn't have any clue how to rest the momentum back. Against Australia, Glenn Phillips was able to, to, to put his mask and cape on and, and sort of bring it back, but that was not the case this time. Um, it seemed like we had no clue how to rest that back. Um, and then also, you know, selection queries around, was Nishim fit? Should we have gone in with three bowlers? Rutchen Ravindra didn't even get a go with the ball. Um, he would have been the fourth spinner to bowl in the innings if, if he had have gotten a bowl. Well what what's going on with our with our bowling and, and, and selection in general, Stuart?
0: Uh well it's fallen, the bowling's certainly fallen off the, the wagon here. I mean, you know, we, we've talked I think if we look at the first you know, four games that New Zealand won, what they did really well was pick up wickets during the middle and and they never kinda were well, they never let the opposition get big partnerships together. Every time it seemed like a partnership was developing, they were able to take a wicket and that just hasn't happened in these in these last few games and you know, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to put it down to in terms of, um, particularly someone like Trent Bolt, who, uh, I, again, I don't think he's been at his best in this World Cup. You know, conditions obviously not the most suited for him, but he, he has spent a lot of time in India, and and I thought he bowled brilliantly actually against South Africa in a, you know, in a disappointing course for New Zealand for the bowlers. I thought he really stood out as someone who figured out the conditions and. Was able to bowl with with real control and real really good areas and and sort of figure out what was needed. But I mean, look, the you can make you could make uh, a case that the injuries obviously they've hit us pretty hard. The fact that Matt Henry's not available, the fact that I, I'm getting the impression I, I don't know 100 percent for sure, but that Lockie Ferguson probably wasn't fit to play this game. We did have Kyle Jamieson over there, but look, he's just jumped on a plane from uh, from Christchurch. You know, three days ago, you know, and, and turned up. We've we all sat there going, "Geez, Ish Sodi, uh, he's a good bowler. He hasn't had a game yet. What, you know, why has he not had a game?" And I think when you, if you look at uh, the situation and you bat first and you think we're going to pile on 400, you think this is great. Ish's got, uh, you know, a big score to bowl at. He can settle in and uh, and you know be able to to sort of work his, work his magic that he's done in the past, but. You know, it just didn't happen today, and he kind of got, you know, got thrown to the wolves a little bit in that after the rain break. And look, I think in hindsight, if they knew that it was going to rain again in, in three overs or whatever it was, I don't think there's any way that Ish would have bowled because you know you would you were at that point. The problem was that Ish Sodi still had six overs to bowl, and we only had eighteen overs left or something. So you kind of going, okay, well, how do we make up our overs? We're going to bowl bolt. We're going to bowl Ish to try and get through a couple of his overs now, but look, they just targeted him. Barbara's arm, you know, he bowled Ish bowled a half track of first ball, uh, half volley the second ball, and Bubba's arm just puts both them away. And, and second over, fuckers, man, just takes him down. Really, he, you know, it's it was it was as simple as that. And you know that that twenty run over the the Duckworth Lewis situ- Stern situation was a twenty one run win. So. Yeah, I think in hindsight, you're probably not playing Ish if you knew how all of that was going to play out. You might play Kyle Jamieson instead. You might bowl Mitchell Santner up in those overs afterwards. But, you know, it's, it's really easy to say that. And, you know, even you guys mentioned it before. Yes, 400, you kind of think that you're going to win that game and, and that Duckworth Lewis kind of hurts you because of the fact that it shortens the game and it, it gives Pakistan a, a chance to be only half the job done, but win that game. But they were cruising. They were honestly just cruising, and they, you know, bully. You said it before. Hitting fuckers, man, was hitting a boundary every four balls. It felt like he was hitting a boundary every second ball. You know, like that. He, they were just doing it so easy. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, look. I guess we might talk about now what that actually means to the tournament because we're twenty minutes in and we still haven't talked about Australia, England, but New Zealand remarkably is still kind of like in the box seat on paper to make the semi-finals, but we're absolutely no chance if we bowl like that you know first we've got to perform and beat Sri Lanka and when we you know we've got to bowl much much better than that if we're going to make any impact in in any games you know assuming results even go our way and look Lockie Ferguson I think he needs to come back pretty pretty quick so that we can have some kind of wicket taking power in the middle there and yeah it's it, it was a tough, tough watch, i I have to say from a New Zealand point of view. well, do do you want us why don't why don't we move to the Australia game? because yeah, we, it's been a while that we've been talking about this one and and you've kind of helped me get some get some emotions out. but
1: hmm.
0: why don't we why don't, I mean I have to say I haven't seen as much of this game as as maybe ordinarily I would have if in a day that New Zealand hadn't played two eighty seven on or two eighty six on the board. Australia kind of contributions from everyone. No, you know, major major contribution that you might mm. have liked. Two eighty six feels like a bit of a middling score in this uh, World Cup, but obviously still proved enough. You said before, Manus Labushane was was boring the pants off you to the to the point where you were you know out of there, turn the TV off. So how were you sort of feeling? I guess when you yeah when you go to bed and the situation, and then when you kind mm. of catch yourself back up on the game this morning.
2: Yeah, like I said, when I, I turned the game off, when Australia were sort of two for fifty, two for sixty, and Manus I think was thirteen off thirty deliveries, and I thought, okay, well, we're going to get we're going to get to see some Test match like batting from from Smith and Marnus and we we got a bit of that to be fair. Uh, but I think what Australia did is they lost early wickets. They have had fantastic contributions from their opening pair throughout this tournament. Whether it was Warner and Marsh or Warner and Travis Head of late, they've had awesome starts. They didn't get a great start in this game. They were they were two for not many, uh, even though the run rate was good. But Smith and Manus Lubbershane did a really good job of, of making sure that they didn't get too tied down and they built Australia's innings back up so that by the end of it, provided they got contributions from their lower order, their finishers, they could get somewhere between sort of 275 and 300, and that's what transpired. So uh, despite the fact that Manus was, was boring me to read... Um, he ended up after that getting sixty off fifty and actually catching up a little bit. His seventy off eighty balls proved decisive in terms of the outcome of this match. What I really liked, and we and we might uh, we might get a Dorothy Dixer to, to re-edit into this pod, but what I really liked is that we got contributions from the lower order. We got contributions from Green, we got contributions from Stoyness, and then we got a little bonus cameo from Adam Zamper at the end, sort of 29 off 19. If I could have asked for anything going into this game, knowing that we had Green and Stoyness replacing Marsh and Maxwell, who were out, it would be to get something out of those guys. And we got, what, nearly 90 runs from the from the two of them, which is really, really pleasing from an Australian perspective because now we know that we can get some meaningful impact, some meaningful outcome from... Green and Stoyness, which has been a question mark for this entire tournament.
1: Yeah, just going back to the the start of the innings and, and you know you're talking about when they, they lost a few wickets. When when Australia were two for thirty-eight after the the Warner dismissal, I felt like that game could have gone either way. Mm. Um, but it was good to see um, Smith and, and Lama Shane rally as you said said there. So you've mentioned Maxwell and and Marsh, and they're both going to assume they will be available for the later parts of the the tournament. Yeah, I have what, some news uh, on that later on. Okay, well, so what, what does what does the that team look like for you? Because Green and Stoinis have given you those contributions that you have been missing. Uh, Maxwell and Marsh are kind of people who walk straight back into the side, but mm. maybe haven't been performing as as a unit. What, what, and then you're extremely happy that you know the top seven have actually. Contributed almost evenly, apart from a couple. There, English batting at five still got the problem with it, with a wicketkeeper maybe not scoring the runs that you're you're looking for. What does it look like for you? Your top eleven? Do you actually have uh, understanding of what that looks like?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think. Marsh comes back in immediately, and Maxwell comes back in immediately, and it's probably Green and Stoinis to miss out again, although I think that there's probably a conversation that you could have as to whether or not Marnus misses out. He's contributed in this game, but he's probably the full guy for a, a, a concussion substitution coming back and him and him dropping out. I think Australia will probably drop Cameron Green. We didn't see him at the bowling crease in this game Australia got some contributions from Stoyness with the ball, and they really like what Stoyness can do with the ball in white ball cricket. So I think if, if there's anyone that's going to drop out, it will probably be Marnus and Cameron Green. And then you've got Maxwell coming into that lower middle order, batting five and six. And then Mitchell Marsh would come in and bat probably three or four. I don't mind Mitchell Marsh batting at four for Australia. I feel like he has to be more proactive, more aggressive if he comes in in that middle-over period of 11 to 40. I think he's actually at his best when he opens the batting um, because he can take bowlers on knowing that he's only got two fielders out and he can go over the top with with relative impunity. But he's so strong and so powerful that he can hit the ball out of the ground if he gives himself 10 or 12 balls to get in and then he can sort of start to go um, so I think that's Australia's formula going forward. I think Marnus will be unlucky to miss out now that he's made 70 and kind of held this innings together in what was an important win for Australia. But if you look at the match-winning potential that Marsh and Max will both have, I think that's going to be important come semi-final and final time.
1: And, and, and going into to the second innings, 286 on the board, uh, tell us how you're feeling and, and once again your your Mitchell Stark barometer off his first ball.
2: Well... Well yeah it wasn't the Mitchell stark first ball that we were hoping for but it's the result that counts right it's the impact the result that counts uh, as we said in the last to look
1: at down the leg side he does Yeah exactly
2: normally that would that would indicate to me a, a a not great Mitchell stark performance but we got away with one uh, there in the first in the first ball of the innings and a good catch from Inglis to to move well down the leg side to take that um Look, if I'm Australia, I'm feeling pretty confident going in with 287. That's a defendable score if you bowl well. And our seamers bowled reasonably well, but we got a fantastic contribution again from Adam Zampa. We go back three or four weeks, two games into the tournament, Adam Zampa was a shell of the player we saw in last night's game and we've seen so far. Uh, through the tournament so after two games I don't think he had very many wickets at all he's now got 19 which leads all comers in the tournament I'm looking at the stats desk here and I'm just bring it up because at the moment he is now averaging something like oh yeah 17 with the ball striking at 18 so he's taking a wicket every three overs the most important thing for me is the economy rate is only five and a half whereas you look at stark 6.3 you look at how Cummins is over six. Hazelwood's been pretty miserly he's been at 5.3 but that economy rate from Zampa at 5.52 I think is the most not the most important because he's taking wickets but he's also not leaking a tremendous amount of runs for Australia in those middle overs so he's been fantastic he looks back to full fitness he's moving well in the outfield he took a terrific catch Um, that if you had a look at him in the first two games, he was not moving well at all in the outfield. So whatever injury he's had, he's he's back. And and he's getting more and more ticks. Every time I look it down at my notes, he's getting more and more ticks next to his name with the big black pen. Uh, so he was outstanding for Australia. And just the tonic we needed because we don't have any other frontline spinner in the squad. We don't have any Sodi to call on. Uh, we don't have any extra spinners there, no Ashton, Agar, etc. cetera. So um, he is very, very important to Australia's chances. And Guys like Travis Head, um, Stoyness, etc. The more overs we can get out of them at you know five and a bit, which is what we got from Head. That's that's all to the good.
0: Yeah, Zampa. Zampa was uh, this. Yeah, as you say, this is just about your perfect Zampa performance and the fact that, I mean, some of the shots he played. He smashed Mark Wood. For, you know, smash Mark Wood down the ground. I really enjoyed that. I have to say, you know, yeah, I, as as a spinner who batted lower down i do relish when when uh lower order players kind of get the tonk out and start smashing bowlers so i did really enjoy that i I really enjoyed the mark wood cameron green battle i did you know that was pretty fun to watch as you know it's always yeah again mark wood kind of hasn't been at his best in this tournament like a lot of the english side but you know it's pretty fun to watch when someone's ramping it up And, and cameron green was you know yeah, when he was throw, he was prepared to kind of throw everything at it when when Wood was charging in there. So that was good to watch, a positive for England. I think you'd have to say that Adil Rashid bowled really, really well. Lovely uh, sort of flight and the way he sort of slowed down his bowling at different times. And and Chris Wokes and and David Willey, the kind of experienced campaigners that have kind of copped a lot in this tournament about the way that they performed. I think bold, you know, Wokes in particular, bowled very well up front and then came back at the end and sort of took a couple of wickets as well. But, look, you know, it hasn't been a great campaign for, for England. And, Baldy, I, I think you
2: wanted to sort of highlight a,
0: a a a match report that hasn't missed, let's say.
2: Yeah, Andrew Miller's lined England up as only he can. Uh, So this is Andrew Miller writing in the official match report for ESPN Info. And I I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to (laughs) attribute it to him. We know it's his work. Um, And he writes in his official match report in the opening salvo, it's over. And that's not simply the worst world cup defense in the history of international sport. We'll come back to that. Everything that for eight heady years, had been taken for granted about England's white ball batting, has vanished without a trace, as if some Hollywood baddie had pinched a sports almanac from the future and set the dials on the team's DeLorean for the 2015 World Cup. We've re-entered an epoch of endless, desperate failure, the miracle of 2019 lost forever to some branch line of the space-time continuum. You can't go anywhere from there. That that is just a, a... Brilliant opening salvo from Andrew Miller. He hasn't missed. He goes on to roast Joe Root in, uh, you know, a, a retirement special kind of uh, s- roast situation. I think, you know, Shaq could be proud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, I I don't, I think that probably the England conversation, I, I had a little bit of a, a chat with Binksy about kind of what's happened to their campaign. It's probably one that we, we talk about in, in more depth once it you know once the tournament is over or once we sort of do get together for for this weekend cricket because yeah as I said to Binksy, you know a few days ago a week ago it's just been really surprising for me I you know I just I had penciled them in I think Andrew Miller says in there that they had penciled themselves in for a semi final spot and I I had done that like almost in pen not in pencil you know I just kind of thought this is a great one day side or great white ball side. They'll be there, and and it just has not. They just have not been here at this tournament, basically, and they're just getting paced by everyone. And it's it's really you know even in this game, they're hundred for two, kind of chasing two eighty six with Stokes and Milan at the crease. And you kind of thought, okay, like they can. Stokes loves playing against Australia, loves these big moments. They can go on and win here and kind of get a bit of moral moral victory back into their campaign, but it just all fell apart and. It really took Wokes and Willie and, and Rashid to kind of, again, get a bit of uh, respectability back into that scorecard. Anything you want to add, Raj?
1: Yeah, probably just uh, around uh, the Australian team again um, for Baldy. How do you feel about Patrick Cummins's performances, uh, mainly as a bowler? It's probably what I'm focusing on most. He's been mm. chipping away regularly, you know, with a wicket or two but there's no real games where that i can remember him really grabbing the the game by the thruff of the neck he he is you know at times we've talked about him being the best bowler in the world you know red ball white ball um but he hasn't quite shown that this 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 tournament
2: no and and he's been overshadowed by zampa in in the last you know five or six games hazelwood cummins and stark have been pretty workmanlike in terms of their performance if there's one criticism i could level at this australian team is that Uh, Other than this game and maybe the India game, from memory, I don't think we've had much in the way of penetration in terms of the first 10 overs taking early wickets. We did in this game, obviously, with that first cherry. Um, But Australia often have let sides off to good starts. However, having said that, if you have a look at their stats, they're all hovering around sort of average... Let's have a look here. Starks averaging 40 with the ball, but Cummins and Hazelwood are 31, 32 uh, not respectively, that's the other way around, Baldy, well done. Uh, but they're also you know, striking at Hazelwood's 35, Cummins 32, Stark is 38. So they're all striking around somewhere between 30 and 40, um, and they're all conceding somewhere around six runs and over. So it's been a pretty middling performance from Australia's seamers. Good contributions, uh, but not the contributions we kind of expect from Josh Hazelwood, ranked number one white ball bowler in the world. Pat Cummins has been ranked number one Red Bull bowler in the world uh, on occasion. And, you know, we know what Mitchell Stark can do with white ball in, in major tournaments. He has been uh, spectacular for Australia in the past. So it, it hasn't quite all come together for Australia in, in terms of their seam attack. But they've done just enough to win sort of four or five games now on the bounce. Uh, and Adam Zampa has come in off the back of that and given Australia real impetus in those middle overs. And he's done a superb job. But, yeah, if I could ask for anything, maybe it's a little bit more uh, wicket taking ability at the top of the order. Um, but you know, you have to say that Australia have done a pretty good job over the last five or six games of containing sides uh, as their as their as their seam attack. And they've got you know little bits and pieces here from Maxwell, from Stoinis. so he' got a couple in this game. They've got a little bit from Travis head as well. So, we haven't been taken down too badly when we've gone to our fifth bowling option and i think other sides in that semi-final contention india south africa etc will be looking at that and going actually we can really take down you know M- maxwell head stoinis etc
0: are you starting to believe Baldy? are you starting to believe that you know five wins in a row now you know australia's campaign that was in tatters after the first two games Mm. Is you know is now sort of like I said, one and a half feet in the semi final. I think it's better than that. Really, they're probably there. I think you know things would have to go pretty horribly in these last couple of games for for them to to not make it. Mm. You're starting to think that you know you're gonna be you're gonna be there probably in in a you know the winner or the the look probably playing the loser of tonight's game between India and South Africa in the semi final in that sort of two three slot. Mm.
2: I think there is there is cause to have belief in this Australian side. I think we're a little bit off India and South Africa yet. Uh, I don't think Australia are as explosive as South Africa through the middle, um, particularly if, if Manas is playing the way that he's playing at the moment. Smith is still a little bit out of form. We haven't really seen the best of him. So I don't think Australia are on the same par as South Africa and India, but they've certainly improved their performances markedly since they played India and South Africa earlier in the tournament and and were you know well beaten by both of those teams so i think there is hope for australia i don't think it's a case of australia will go into that game either of those semifinal games against either india or south africa uh, if we make it that far as favorites but i think we're certainly a much more complete looking cricket side now than we were two games into the tournament we've had contributions from the, the key people across the lineup at some point in the tournament, which gives me some hope that the ability is there, the form is there. We've just got to make sure that Australia put it all together when it really, really counts. What gives me hope is that Australia have done that in the past in semifinals of big tournaments. We have put other sides under pressure and we have executed really, really well in those tough situations. So those guys will know what's required of them. I think cool heads need to prevail in that Australia camp. We don't have to hit the first ball that we face out of the park to be a chance of winning a semi final. We can take five or ten balls, get our eye in, and and then go for it. Um, Australia really will need to take wickets early, though, against India and South Africa if there to be any chance. We know that South Africa has got a really strong middle order, but I think we can put it under pressure by taking early wickets. And I think India are the same, really. You, you need to take six wickets against India to be a chance of, of beating that side. And I mean six wickets inside the first 30 overs to make sure that India can't build towards a massive score on the back end of their batting innings. So we need to take wickets with the new ball. And Adam Zampa becomes even more important in those games because if he can't, uh, take the same number of wickets and and bowl with the same economy that he has so far through these five wins, then Australia are going to stare down the barrel of having to chase three eighty, which I don't think they can do.
0: And and look, we've gone longer than uh, you know any of our daily updates so far talking about these two games. I think they they were both warranted these the this longer conversation. They you know two of the more important games up until this point of the World Cup just quickly before we go Raj big game tonight India South Africa obviously both I think again you know India is officially qualified South Africa is basically qualified for the the semi-finals they'll be there you know what are you what are you predicting for tonight in terms of uh, a performance India has been so good South Africa you've been slightly slight it's taken you a little while to come around on them but I think you're, you're getting there what are you thinking for tonight
1: yeah, look, let this focus on, I guess, India first, uh, with Hardik Pandya officially ruled out of the World Cup now. Uh, K.O. Rahul moving up into the uh, vice-captain slot. I don't think anything's going to change for India. I think it's going to be business as usual for them. Uh, it, it's interesting that they've they've changed, changed the sort of thought process around these long-form tournaments where it's like, oh, we need the consistency, can we do it again? It's more like, we'll just do what we've been doing Every, every game you know it's not a it's nothing different business yeah. as usual for india they'll go out there and, and they'll bowl well they'll bat well they'll field well we know what india is going to to bring south africa they are a little bit more of a wild card for me I, i'm i'm really looking forward to this game i think it's going to be spectacular and in, in, in a word uh i don't know what um south africa is going to do in terms of uh, their bowling, whether they're going to go with an extra spinner or, or the the extra fast bowler in, in Kutsia, who I love to watch bowling at the moment. Um, but look, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I can't pick a, a, well, I can pick a winner. I think India will win, but um, I think it will be a little bit closer than we all um, would have envisioned at the start of the tournament.
0: Yeah, look, uh, it has the potential to be a, a real cracker and and we've seen that a few times and, and things haven't quite panned out. We talked a little bit yesterday about how you know, the games just haven't been as, as close as, as we might have thought that they would be at various points in this tournament. But but let's hope we get another massive game. I think we'll leave it there. We, there are so many permutations for all the different games coming up with Afghanistan and Pakistan and New Zealand and, and all these sides sort of now fighting for, for the last semi final spot. So I'm sure we'll look at them. Over the next few days, of course, we'll be back again tomorrow to talk about that India South Africa game, and and every day for the rest of this World Cup, there's actually not that many days kind of left of this of this tournament in terms of uh, the the pool games, and then into the semi-finals and finals. So yeah, we're coming into the home stretch, and, and uh, yeah, we're sort of really really enjoying the way that everyone is interacting with us. As I say, every single time I'm on here, it's it, Baldy made a very nice plea yesterday about how. The kindness is, is really having an impact, and, and that is no joke. It's it's really, you know, like brightening our day. I think Raj Raj has called various people, uh, Robin Blackwood in particular. I think that the MVP of of the uh, the day, and and uh, you know, it's it's been great to have uh, all these comments. So yeah, keep them keep them rolling down in the in the YouTube comments and, and on all our socials. And you yeah, have a wonderful day. Obviously, a pretty flat day, I'm sure for for most New Zealand supporters out there. But yeah, keep your spirits up. We're still Uh, On paper, still favourites to to finish fourth. We'll we'll try and end with that. So, yeah, have a lovely day, and,
2: and we'll see you all again tomorrow.